Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of health care coverage. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. I'm Amy Wells. Coach Mac, Dave McGinnis, of course, is also here. Mac, how you doing? Good, Amy Wells. How are you? Oh, I'm so splendid. The Titans are two and one. Like you can't be bad. No, that's very good. And I've, I mean, I couldn't wait till we got back to doing this. This, this is good. We've got a lot to talk about. Okay. So I guess we should just start at the beginning. The Titans are two and one. They got the victory over the Indianapolis Colts, of course. It was a different type of win than in week two in Seattle, but it was still one that showed off the Titans' ability to overcome adversity. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say, Amy. And, and the thing about the National Football League, you know, as our listeners know, I mean, it, it's a 17-game season now, so there's going to be different types of looks every week. But what you have to be able to do in the final draw of all of it is find a way to win the game. And and accord, and that is what they did. And you're, you're right in saying it was different. Because, first of all, it, it was an AFC South game, and especially against Indianapolis, and you know how those games go. I mean, we've both been associated with a lot of them, and, and they are, they're going to come down to just being very, very physical with one another, and it's going to be a back-and-forth contest. This was a very much back-and-forth contest, and there were several key things that happened in the ball game that flipped it. But the thing that the Titans had to do was overcome three turnovers without getting any, and that's very unusual in the National Football League to be able to still win a ball game and be minus three at the end of the day in the turnover ratio. What was the biggest bright spot for you in this Titans victory? What do you take with you feeling good about this Titans team? They stuck with the run game. They stuck with the run game. And what has to happen if you're going to be a running football team, which the Titans are, you've got to be able to have as a staff, as a play caller, and as an offense, patience with it. Because people are going to stack the line to stop our running game. We know that. We've seen it. It's automatic when people come in. Now, the Colts, you know, had everybody up front. They had the two corners pressed outside and had the safety 18, 19 yards deep. They're going to stop the run. So we didn't get discouraged early. Because if you're a running football team, what you're going to have to be able to do is absorb the body blows early and then get ready to break it. And I think you feel the same way I do. I know our our listeners do, too, that every time they turn and hand it to Derrick Henry, regardless of what the outcomes before have been, you expect him to break it. You're just waiting for him. And sooner or later, that's what he did this game. So let's flip it around now. What are some of the things that are areas of improvement, we'll call it? We're being nice today. No, well, we're going to be real today. I mean, first of all, you can't turn the ball over. Right. And you can't turn the ball over in scoring territory because it's hard enough to get down there. And you start turning it over in scoring territory and start forfeiting scoring opportunities to your opponent, it's going to come back to bite you. Now, we were very, very fortunate that, that our defense played really good red zone defense, you know, except for one play. In, in this in this last ball game, but they had it. There was a, a time there where Indy had a chance to take a lead, you know. And and to me, you cannot turn it over like we did, and especially down there in the low red zone because that can come back to really, really be serious problems. A big storyline throughout this game was injuries. This Titans team is struggling with the injury bug right now, but. A bright spot 
especially on the offensive side of the ball with the wide receivers, we saw some younger guys stepping up to fill those areas of need. Guys like Nick Westbrook-Akina, guys like Chester Rogers. That's a good sign, right? Well, it's a, it, it's a really good – it's not a good sign we've got people hurt, but it's a good sign that, you know, those guys stepped up. And, again, we'll have a little bit of a, a test here again. What's the probability of getting hurt when you play in the National Football League, Amy? 100%. 100%. And so you have to be ready. I mean, you do. And that's, that's, why, that's why everybody's on the football team. Everybody, that's why you're on the active roster. You're, you're expected to contribute in a major way if you get a chance to step in. And, and those names that you just mentioned, those guys did that on the offensive side of the ball, and that was critical. All right, well, if you're injured or not, buckle up, Buttercup, because this Titans team is heading to New York. We're taking on the Jets this week. And you're taking on a team that is still looking to get its first win. They're 0-3 right now. They've got a rookie quarterback. But this is not a team to be underestimated, Coach Mack. Tell me why. Well, because they got, they play really good defense. They're in the top ten right now statistically in the league defensively. Robert Sala, the head coach, got the job because he's a – prime premier defensive coordinator in this league. They've got people up front that can play. You know, they're, they're, they're tops of the league in, in the red zone defense. So they're doing things defensively to give themselves a chance to win. You said it very clearly. They've got a rookie quarterback with a brand new system. That always is going to give you a, a time for pause a little bit early on. But you and I, we both vetted, you know, the quarterback coming out. We, we vetted him coming out of BYU. And what we both said about him when we did the, the Titans radio draft show was, this guy can play. And plus, he comes from a, a university that spins the ball and throws it around a lot. So it's not like he came into the league unfamiliar with what goes on as far as a quarterback reading. National Football League's different. Windows are tighter. Defenses are faster, but uh, you just don't want him to get hot when you're playing them. Now, the Titans are about to face back-to-back -back rookie quarterbacks. They have Zach Wilson this week against the Jets and the next week against Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. So I did a little sleuthing, Mac. I did a little research, and I kind of looked at rookie quarterbacks around the league okay. and how they're doing so far. So I look through the first three weeks. I know Jags play on Thursday night. We are recording this Thursday afternoon. I cannot predict the future, so I do not know how he's going to play this evening. So that's not part of this equation. This is just the first three weeks. <laughs> okay. But looking at these numbers, it doesn't look great if you're a rookie quarterback in the National Football League. Mac Jones is the only one who has gotten a win. The Patriots are still one and two as it stands right now. Now, completion percentages are 55.2% for Zach Wilson, 54.2% for Trevor Lawrence, 67.5% for Mac Jones, Justin Fields, who's only played in a single game, but he had a 30% completion percentage, lots of sacks, not a lot of touchdowns, a lot of interceptions. Mac, are these numbers surprising or unusual at this point in the season for a rookie quarterback? Absolutely not. Let's go through the reasons. First of all, it's the most pivotal position in the league. Second of all, if you're taking number one, it's because your team is what? Not good. Right. Okay, so you're going to a place that's not good. And the, and, and, and the reason, when we sit there and look at it, that, that Mac Jones is, is most successful, he went to the best organization. 
You know, he went to the Patriots to have a history. These other organizations are still trying to get off of their left foot, and, and hopefully that these guys eventually down the line are going to be a foundation building block for them. And so it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all because that happens to, to new quarterbacks in this league. And what I said earlier is about you don't want one to get hot on you because they've all got the ability to do that. What you want to be able to do is confuse them enough early on so that if they can develop, they develop on somebody else's time. I know there's a different story to every single one of these quarterbacks. Zach Wilson is facing different challenges than Trevor Lawrence, than Mac Jones, and Justin Fields. However, there is one commonality in that they're all rookie quarterbacks. What is the biggest obstacle that a rookie has to overcome when they are just coming into the NFL? The, the rookie quarterbacks, it's a completely different world, as I said. The speed of the defense, first of all, and the windows are different. First, first of all, the hash marks are different. Everything's in the middle of the football field here. It's not like, you know, in college where you can be on one hash and you got a country acre to the other side, to the wide side of the field. Everything's in the middle of the field. Your windows close a lot quicker. And then, plus, they have never, ever seen in their collegiate career – the myriad of defenses the defensive coordinators put on them, the, 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 the bogeys or the disguises that they get. So they, they really don't know what's coming. And that, to me, is the biggest thing. And the other thing that they, that they have to learn, too, is they have to learn when it's time to surrender and just go to the next play. Because they come in as a number one draft pick. I've seen it time and time again. They feel like everything's on their shoulders. They've got to make every play. And sometimes that leads to disaster. So, I mean – to become a quarterback in the National Football League and accomplished quarterback, you got to soak a while. you got to soak a while. I mean, let's look at Mahomes. You know, every, Mahomes is on everybody's list as, as, a, as a young phenom. Well, he soaked the whole year. You know, he didn't even touch the field, you know, his whole first year. So that's the issue, especially when you, when you have to start a rookie quarterback because he's the number one pick and there's a lot riding on it. You haven't been good before. You need to get the interest back up in your team. And so you're going to have to – Take the pain that hopefully will come with a gain sooner or later. For Shane Bowen and the Titans defense, what do they have to do to keep these rookies from getting hot when they're facing them? Well, what I always like to do, I always like to give them, you know, bogeys, disguises, a myriad of coverages because, you you know, I mean, you can, you can pressure them, but when you're, when you're pressuring a quarterback, you know, whether it's a young one or, or, or a veteran, when you pressure, and especially if, if, you're, if you're running five- and six-man pressures, you clean up the reads for them because now you're one-on-one. If you bogey and disguise coverages and, and play zone, play half-man, half-zone, play quarter-quarter halves, do different, give them different looks, then you make them indecisive, hold the ball, then you've got a chance to get the timing on your side, whether you're rushing four or more. So the indecisiveness is what you want to put on them to begin with. I mean, they can, you know, they can stand back there because they're, they've all been accomplished at the collegiate game, and if, everybody's, if, if the back end clears out and it's just one-on-one, then their physical skills can take over quicker than their decision-making. Taking on the Jets at MetLife poses its own set of challenges. How important is special teams going to be in this matchup? Well, I think it's big, and I think Coach Rabel thinks it's big, too. We need to get a little more out of our return game, just for field position. And plus, you would like to get – I mean, we've got, a, we've got you know – a returner in Rodgers that he can break these things and so but we need to get him better blocking especially in space to, to and I know they've emphasized that just to be able to let him let him get clear you've got to clear that first wave when you're returning punts
sets especially. And if you can clear that first wave, and that goes with the, with the people outside holding up the gunners because they can release before the ball's punted. But then it also it, it takes on the, the people on the inside of the cylinder have to be able to come to balance and at least shield. I'm not talking about blow-up blocks. I'm just talking about shield them so he can get up the field and get into that second and third level. We need that to happen. The Titans take on the New York Jets in New York. Kickoff for that game is at noon Central Time. Titans Radio kicks off at 11 Central Time. Check us out. Coach Mack is there. I'm there. And Rhett Bryan is also there at 11 o'clock. So those are all the things going on for the Tennessee Titans. But I also would like to talk about some other happenings in the National Football League, Coach Mack. And this is an exciting thing, sort of. It's half exciting. So... The list of modern era nominees for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2022 was announced not too long ago, and it's comprised of 122 players. So that is why I say it's moderately exciting, because you're basically the top 122 right now. Yeah, but when you think of it, the top 122 of thousands that have played. I mean, right. you've got to be you've got to be special just to be nominated, and 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 the and the way the Hall of Fame works. I mean, you got an initial nomination, but it, it pairs down pretty quickly but just to have your name put put on that list means something because it's 122 out of 122,000 and so it's a very unique group it does and so just because you brought it up and I have it right in front of me here the list will go from 122 to 25 which is quite the drop off that happens in November and then from there they name the 15 finalists in January and there you go so and, there and you it, go and I you know and I've coached a lot of guys that have gotten into the Hall of Fame I've of course, a lot of guys that have, have been on that list and have yet to get into that Hall of Fame and some new guys that are coming in for the first year. So it's exciting for them. It's exciting for their families. Yeah, well, so because you mentioned it again, Mac, it's like you're reading my notes right here. So there are 10 first-year eligible players who are on this list. Some of them are names that everybody knows, like wide receiver Anquan Bolden. Who I drafted. Exactly. Nice pick, Mac. <laughs> Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Steve Smith, offensive lineman Jake Long and Nick Mangold, linebacker Demarcus Ware, defensive lineman Robert Mathis, Vince Wilfork, defensive back Antonio Cromartie. I mean, like, these are name names that are on this list. Mac, when you have a guy that you have worked with or coached be named in this way, be brought up in the Hall of Fame conversation – it's got to make you feel good, right? That's really cool. It really is. And as a coach, you know, you take great pride in, in those guys' development, you know, especially like in Q, you know, when I drafted him and then seeing him, you know, get to this point. I'll tell you what's really cool, Amy. And, and you know, as a, as a coach in this league, you, you take – you really get personally involved with these guys. But if one of your guys, and I've had, you know, a few, get into the Hall of Fame and then they thank you in their Hall of Fame speech, you feel like, whoa, it's pretty cool. That's really cool. Have you ever been to like the Hall of Fame induction oh, yeah. ceremony Absolutely. and weekend? What is that like, Mac? It looks like Big a party. ton of fun. Big party. Big party and everybody's feeling good because guess what? You just gotten into the Hall of Fame and you got all you got everybody there that you like and some people that you don't, but you like them at that time. It's a huge party. It's a wonderful, wonderful time. If you've never experienced, everybody needs to experience it. If you're an NFL fan, you need to experience a Hall of Fame weekend one time in your life. It's the only NFL thing I haven't done. I just said you need to experience it one time in your life. Well, I've never... I mean, can I just go? I mean, yes. seriously, can fans just go? Yes. If you if you need if you need if you need an entree into it, just let me know. 
Oh, well, you know some guys. Maybe we'll go when Anquan Bolden gets in. Oh, my. That'd be fun. I mean, you coached him. I worked with him for a year. Well, so. We're basically in. There's our tie-in. We're We're in. We're probably in the speech. We're in. We're in the front row. Yeah. I don't know why we wouldn't be. I think think this is done. Locked up. (laughs) (laughs) This ridiculous conversation actually leads us really well into our special guest for this episode of the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast, Shereen Williams. Coach Mac, I'm so excited. We're going to be talking to Shereen Williams, and I got to tell you a little bit about her. She's an award-winning journalist who has made a career out of covering the National Football League after covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As a beat reporter for six seasons, she joined the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and spent 17 years covering the Dallas Cowboys and the whole NFL. In 2016, she joined the crew at Pro Football Talk, and she continues to provide insider updates and analysis for them. She's also appeared everywhere, ESPN, Fox Sports 1, NFL Network. She's done a whole bunch of stuff, but here's where it gets really good, Coach Mack. Shireen was the 24th president of the Pro Football Writers Association and was the first female to serve in that role. She was also one of the first women to become a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee. And speaking of Hall of Fame, she's got a spot in it. In 2018, she was selected as the Dick McCann Award winner. That award is given to a reporter who has made a long and distinguished contribution to pro football through her coverage. She was the first woman to receive that honor, and her name is hanging in Canton, which is so cool. (laughs) Shireen's covered more than 20 Super Bowls. She's been to seven Olympic Games. It's amazing the things that she's been able to accomplish. Shireen, I am geeking out. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Well, next time I need an introduction, I'm going to I'm going to hire you to come make the introduction. <laughs> that was quite the introduction. Well, I'm so excited, but I've got to start with an origin story between you and Coach Mac. I've got to know how you guys ended up together because knowing the map of everybody's lives that you guys were in two different teams in two different places. Same place we were was Texas. And so if anybody knows anything about uh, sports writing in Texas and the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, and of course, you know, the Dallas Cowboys uh, clearly, you know, dominate everything down there. And when Shereen Williams, you know, came on there, I, I think, Shereen, didn't you start Didn't you start with the Cowboys in like 86? Is that when you started with the Cowboys or the Fort Worth Star-Telegram? It started with the Star-Telegram in 99. I started with the Buccaneers, covering the Buccaneers in 94. Okay. Well, and so everyone knew who Shereen was. And then Shereen and I have a, have a, have a very good friend. And a very yeah. close friend in John McClain. And uh, John McClain is the one that introduced me to Shireen. And then immediately, uh, you know, I've spent my whole life judging talent. And all of a sudden I said, this is a really talented person. And I was right. And so everything that you've read, all of those accolades are true. The thing you did leave out, though, is that she is a distinguished alumni, which is not easy to be from Texas A&M <laughs> University. <laughs> she was, they, they brought her into, I mean... Texas A&M is very proud of their alumni, right, Shireen? And you were honored as one of their distinguished alumni, too. So any accolades that you get are are very well warranted. But in the National Football League world, uh, Shireen has always been very well respected and uh, very fortunate to be able to call her a friend. When I was uh, coaching at the Cardinals, she came up to training camp when we were in Flagstaff. And, uh, you know, in, in, her, in her duties of covering the National Football League, spent a couple of days up there. And so, you know, throughout the years, and especially at the Combine, you know, I would always, always see Shireen and John McClain at the Combine. They always sat at the same place. 
uh, you know, at, at, at the combine and then at, and then at some of the owners' meetings. So, Shereen Williams, once you get to know her and once you can count her as a friend, uh, it, it, that never ends. But it all goes back to we're both Texans that have both been yeah. very fortunate to have made our living in the National Football League for a long time now. Yeah, you know, and I've written a lot of stories that have over, overlapped with, with Coach Mack's career with – Emmett Smith going to Arizona and Phil Bennett's, unfortunately, his wife died of a lightning strike way back when. Coach Mack was great on that story. And unfortunately, the Pat Tillman story, um, he was great on on that story. So uh, we've overlapped that way, too, because he's been such a big part of so many big stories that have happened in the National Football League in the time. And I do remember you taking us, Coach Mack, a few times, John McClain and I, to to a really good Mexican restaurant uh, in Phoenix uh, that I always try to go back to now whenever I'm there. Hey, let me tell you, I, this is what this podcast is for. The, the, the first thing, first thing <laughs> the is yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the food. The first, when I was a head coach there at Arizona, they knew that I loved Mexican food. So I would have it just about every day because they've got great Mexican food out there in, 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 in Phoenix. And plus, you know, it, it, there's nothing better to wash down a great Mexican food lunch than Diet Dr. Pepper. So I used to have cases of that, you know, in in the uh, yeah. in the room. And in fact, they just sent another uh, three six packs up here uh, to the uh, you know, awesome. to, to 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 Ashley's office. She called me yesterday and said, "You got an Amazon package?" And I said, "Well, open it." I said, "I don't think it's dangerous." And it was Diet Dr. Pepper. So anyway, <laughs> the, the place the place where we went, Shireen, is 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 Commodore Guadalajara. That's it. Which is underneath the the overpass. Uh, it is it is the place where you eat. It's a neighborhood place. And I, I said, you and John McClain came down and said, Mac, we want to go eat some good Mexican food here. And I, you didn't have to say anything else. I said, just be at the hotel at this time. I'll pick you up. And if you don't like it, then never talk to me again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we've got to get back on track because otherwise I'm going to get hungry. I want to go all the way back to the beginning with you, Shereen. Why football? What is it about this sport? I know you always wanted to cover the Cowboys. That was kind of the dream, the goal. But what is it about this game that appeals to you so much? Well, it was my mama who lived in Hillsbury, which is about an hour outside of Dallas-Fort Worth. And she apparently learned the game from my grandfather, who unfortunately I never got to know, and taught it to me. And she was a huge Cowboys fan, the biggest Cowboys fan of all time. And I tell you what, she's looking down and is amazed at some of the things I've gotten to do and some of the people uh, that I've gotten to meet. I just got back to from Canton, and I thought of her as I you know, saw Cliff Harris and Drew Pearson and, you know, all those people that, that she grew up rooting for and Roger Staubach, of course. And, and so, yeah, I, I wanted to marry Roger Staubach. Like that was my number one goal. And then my second goal was to go cover the Cowboys. And, and uh, the local newspaper wrote a story on me being Cowboys youngest fan. And I mentioned in there in second grade that I wanted to cover the Cowboys. And so have been very fortunate. I don't know how many second graders give out get to live out their dream but I have been very fortunate to be able to do that uh and now covering the NFL but it's just it's the greatest game on the planet and I love college football but you know college football to me has too many of those bad matchups right you just get you know A&M opens up with Kent State I mean really who cares I want to see good games and in the NFL you see that every week we all know that Texans are going to be terrible this year but 
I tell you what, you better be ready for them or they're going to beat you. I don't think they're probably going to go 0-17. They're going to beat somebody because somebody takes them too lightly. And that's what I love about this game, I think, is every week is a great game, uh, great performances, and, and just the, the top level that, that we see in our sport. And it's just, you know, when you, as Coach Mack knows, when you grow up in Texas, I mean, that's what you grow up loving. You've been around the league for long enough now that you've seen so many different evolutions of this game, not only on the field, but also off the field. And being a female who's been in this space for so long, I'm sure that the road for you has been very different than some of the women who have entered into the league in the last five or so years. It really looks a lot different now. So going all the way back to when you first started to be in those spaces around locker rooms, on the practice fields, trying to do those interviews and do your job to the best of your ability, what was that like and how has that journey kind of evolved over the last few years? Well, it's funny because I I did have some flashbacks when John Lynch went into the Hall of Fame and I was fortunate enough to to get to uh, present him in the Hall of Fame room uh, one time and, you know, great safety, glad he's finally going in. But I, I thought about that. You know, I was the only female around when I started on the NFL. There there weren't many. Actually, Sage still worked for a TV station. So she came out every once in a while in Tampa, uh, came out to the Buccaneers locker room. But it was way different um, back then. And, you know, I have a ton of stories of, of standing outside of locker rooms, not necessarily in the NFL. This was more in college, standing outside of locker rooms. And, you know, all the men go into the locker room and they forget about me and don't bring anybody out to me. And I'm left standing there um, with no interviews. And that happened on multiple occasions uh, early in my career. And then I got to the NFL and it was a little bit better, but you're still the only one. And that old one buck place where the bucks used to train to was teeny tiny. And on Mondays, the guys would go out and do their walkthrough and come back in and go in the locker room. Well, I didn't want to go in the locker room because it was so tight, so crowded. They didn't want us in there anyway. And Trent Dilfer always talked on Mondays, one of the rare quarterbacks who he'd get upset if you didn't want to talk to him on Monday, win, loss, whatever. He wanted to talk on Mondays. And, um, because of me, they all started coming out of the locker room. It was great. I mean, the players wanted, fortunately, the media, uh, Rick Stroud, Fred Goodall, and some of those good people in Tampa. Uh, Don Banks was there at that time, who, the late, great Don Banks. And so we would stand out in the hallway and do our interviews. And they did that for me, and it was fantastic. The players liked it much better. The media liked it much better. And, and so you have some of those things, too. I mean, it's obvious you stand out. You stand out way less now. Uh, as you said, we've had many more women uh, come through, and hopefully I've I've cleared a path. I don't know if I've trailblazed or been a pioneer or any of those things because there were so many women who came before me, the Melissa Ludkeys and Lisa Olsons and all those women uh, who did great things, Christine Brennan. Uh, but hopefully I have paved some ways and, and, and cleared some obstacles out of there for, for women. If this is what they want to do, uh, the path now is set for you to do this, no question about it. Well, as someone who has done a lot of work from a hallway, I can definitely, definitely (laughs) say that I appreciate the people who have come before me and made that an acceptable practice because working outside the locker room, right outside those doors, trying to get the same amount of stuff accomplished is not an easy feat. And I am very appreciative for the people who have had to make that a thing and make that something that 
is a recognized practice. And to me, you know, Shireen, when I first came here, you know, when I uh, when I left L.A. and 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 the Titans uh, wanted me to come here to do, you know, to broadcast, through, and uh, I was I was put into a, a, a three person office with Amy and Ashley. You know, and then yeah. and so they were yeah. they were scared of me for about the first two weeks, and then <laughs> and then and then you know they both came to me and they and they said this, Coach Mack, if you would, could you take time just to teach us this game from the tape? Yeah. Teach us That's from, great. Teach us from the tape. And so, I mean, I'm sitting here with uh, with, with two women that, that absolutely love the game, but they, they wanted to learn it. They wanted to learn it so that they could do their job that job better. And that's that's the way that's the way that you have been. Talk to us a little bit because I, I'm fascinated by the by the positions that you hold uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the, the voting aspect of that. Uh, I, I yeah. think that's just absolutely fabulous. And they don't just hand those out to anybody. And I just yeah. I, just talk to me a little bit about that process and how that came about, Shireen. Yeah, it's been great. You know, I think you just do it long enough. And I was the first woman to do that back in uh, Michael Irvin's actually first year of 2007 was was when I went on the committee. And it's almost a lifetime appointment. As long as you're covering the NFL, you're going to be a Hall of Fame selector. We're now up to 49 selectors in that room. And we have four women now, actually. Lisa Salter joined uh, last year and uh, Mary Kay Cabot was already on there. And uh, we, we've added another Lindsay Jones uh is is coming on board as the pfwa president now this year she's taken that spot so there'll be four of us in there which which has been quite an evolution um but yeah you know i'm sort of the dallas rick goslin who i know you guys are having on the show soon coming up as the dallas voter i'm an at-large voter but goose and i sometimes have to split up the cowboys to people to present and uh so i've gotten to present you know drew pearson and and larry allen in the room and um uh, who else have I done? I did John Lynch the one time. Uh, I got to do Jimmy Johnson, which is fantastic on the uh, Centennial class. That one was was really fun and really good. And you try to do the best presentation that you can. And I had Drew the year he didn't go in, and he was so upset in the year he did go in. So 2020, he didn't go in in the Centennial class. Uh, and I was devastated. And I felt like I could have made a better presentation and second guess myself. Was it the presentation? And, you know, I always let them read it. I always talk to whoever it is I'm I'm trying to get in the Hall of Fame. And and um, and you just wonder if you let them down. You feel like you did, certainly. And then he got in this year and it was just elation when he when he got in finally after 33 years so uh, it's a big responsibility especially for those candidates who are kind of on the edge who maybe need that push they need something you know that, that have questions about them and they need something to push them over the top you know drew pearson for instance is the last receiver in nfl history to lead the league in receiving yards with less than a thousand yards think about that less than a thousand yards led the league in receiving and we haven't had that since of course because it was less of a passing game but you know everybody wants to look at the numbers well the numbers have changed you can't always look at the numbers and i think you use your eyes and and if you saw a hall of Famer on the field when you watch that player play that's a Hall of Famer. For, sometimes you just have to forget those numbers. And sometimes, frankly, at some positions in the offensive line and, and other positions, there aren't those numbers there that, that you can look at and say, well, I don't like this player or player X because of, of these numbers. But it is a fascinating process. We actually have the contributor. We're already starting to work on class of 2022. This isn't a thing that happens one day a year at the Super Bowl and then we're done. It's a year-round process. Pull back the curtain on that a little bit, if you don't mind. Just kind of give us a brief rundown when you're getting ready for that 
22 class and figuring out who's going to be involved. What does that process really look like? Yeah, you know, I think this is about the time you start looking at that after you get done with the Hall of Fame ceremony. You start thinking about who's going to be on the modern era ballot. Now, we don't we don't start the voting process for another couple months um, and then we won't vote on it until the week of the Super Bowl or the week before the Super Bowl. I'm not sure. COVID has changed a lot of things. That's one of the things that's changed is the voting process, like when we do it. We used to meet in person the day before the Super Bowl. And, you know, last year with COVID, we did the Zoom call and who knows where we'll be this year, whether we'll be doing it over Zoom or, or uh, in person. Uh, but, it, you know, it's a long day and a long process. And, and you just try to get prepared with that ballot once you get the, the list of of candidates on it, which is well over 100. And, you know, at this point, I've done it so long, you know, most of those who are going to be on the ballot. So it's really the first time ballot guys, first time eligible guys that you're looking at. For instance, Demarcus Ware is one of the first ballot guys uh, going that, that's up for candidacy in class of 2022. So those are the types of players you really want to spend the most time on and talk to people about their careers. And you want to talk to people that, that not necessarily that coached them or played with them or uh, any of that. You want to talk to people that played against them. Was this a Hall of Famer? Was this a player that you really had to prepare to stop? Or was this just, you know, another receiver that you faced that you didn't have to double type thing? So there's a lot of that and a lot of those conversations. Shireen, uh, this, this, for our listeners, this is absolutely fabulous. And for the Titans, Amy, and Coach Mac podcast, I mean, we could, we could go on with this for hours. And, and you and I have done this before. And <laughs> yeah. the, the, next time, the next time that you can find John McClain, I know he's hard to corral, Let's get, yes. <laughs> let's get together, and the next uh, Mexican food dinner is on Coach Mac, and so we need we we, we need to do that again. Hopefully, uh, we can start. Uh, I mean, the season. You know, hopefully, we can see each other during the season, all of us. That'd at, be great at, at, at some venue, but uh, hopefully that we we get to have at, at Indy this year the combine again because that's yes. a, that's a that's a great great place to get together. But I can't thank you enough. You know, when we were putting a list together and. And, uh, you know, Amy and Ashley asked me, put a list of people together, Coach Mack, that you th- would love to be able to talk to uh, on this initial podcast. And you were right at the top of the list, and you are the absolute best, Shereen. Well, honored and privileged to be on here, and I'm so impressed. I like that, that Coach Mack, that they've asked you to teach him the game because I, I don't think there's enough of that, you know. Um, with people coming in the game and, you know, people look at women and say, well, you didn't play the game. Look at most of the male reporters. They didn't play the game either. And sometimes they're scared to ask those questions. And I'll never forget, you know, Jason Garrett and, and Rob Ryan, when he was here as defensive coordinator, would always do an off-season film room session and they'd go break it down. They'd break down the play calls and what they meant and what they were trying to do and what they were trying to accomplish at this practice. And, you know, if Jason Garrett said something in a press conference, I would pull him aside. He was great at walking off and he loved those questions of all right, why did you do this? Why did you see this? Why did you call this time out of here? Why did you have the safety do this? Whose responsibility was this? And that's the only way to learn the game. If you didn't play the game, you have to ask those questions and you have to learn it. And I want to know it inside out. And I don't know everything even after 30 years of doing this. I don't know everything there is about it. And I'm going to keep asking those questions. And 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 I'm so happy to hear that, that they're asking those questions to you, Coach Mack. They're going to be better for it. Yeah, you're one of the best. Well, thanks, Shireen. Shireen, I'm, I'm just blown away. We could, Mack is right, we could talk to you for 
two days, but I know we have to <laughs> let you go. You've got so much going on, but we appreciate your time. And I am inviting myself to the next dinner with Coach Mack. I'm, Love it. I'm in. I'm coming. <laughs> we will all get together, Shereen, and I promise you it will be good. And Coach Mack's got enough money to pay for us all, so you're fine. <laughs> Love it. See you, Shereen. Thank, Thank you. you. So much. See you guys. Coach Mack, spectacular. I could have talked to her for, I mean, I said two days, for more than two days. She's very, she's impressive. She really is. And I mean, and the respect that she has garnered throughout her career in the National Football League, I mean, you just heard it. And and the things that she's done, especially for, and, and on this Titans Amy Coach Mack podcast, you know, we're going to go, we're going to run the gamut of people in the National Football League. And to me, the, 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 the pioneers, the women that have stepped up in the National Football League and have paved the way for others, Shereen Williams is one of those. I mean, first time, first, you know, female Hall of Fame voter, uh, you know, the Dick McCann Award. I mean, she's, she is, legit and she is so legit but she's also so genuine and you know I've, I've known her for a long time of course she's a Texas A&M graduate and of course me being a frog you know you know all those people down there but uh, she, look there she has always been and a good friend and she always will be but she understands this league and she understands this league at a lot of different levels and as I said widely widely respected throughout the league in all corridors don't get sacked by the high cost of health care. Make Farm Bureau Health Plans your first line of protection. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Mac, this has been a solid show. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground in a short period of time. That's what uh, we intend to do is have solid shows, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the game plan, yeah. Okay, well, let's keep doing it. Do you have anything else to add? No, it's solid. <laughs> All right, for Coach Mac, I'm Amy Wells. Thank you so much for listening to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. Be sure to write a review, subscribe, download it, send it to your friends, whatever you need to do to spread the word that we are here. That's what we would like for you to do. We'll see you next time on the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast.